Hi everyone, welcome to Luxury Voices, the podcast about the luxury world in Asia with a focus on the greater China market. I am Joanne Tang, your host, founder and CEO of Infinite Luxury Group. In this podcast, we converse about all layers and segments of luxury, from lifestyle, travel, to hospitality trends. I will interview key players of the luxury industry from all corners of the globe. We will talk about their initiatives and experiences in conquering the Asian luxury consumer. Discover how leading luxury executives handle this growing market where luxury spending is the highest in the world and gain a wealth of knowledge to harness this ever-promising luxury market. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Cristiano Ferrotti, Chief Representative of UNIT, Italian National Tourist Board in China. Cristiano heads the newly established Shanghai office and has been living in China, Shangsha and Shanghai for almost a decade. He was previously the representative of Italy's Marche Regional Government, a consultant for both Italian and Chinese enterprises, a correspondent for Hunan Province by the General Consulate of Italy in Guangzhou, and a representative for international exchanges by the Foreign and Overseas Affairs Office of Hunan Province. It's a great pleasure to have you here on Luxury Voices, Cristiano. Before we start the core of our conversation, what does the word luxury mean to you? Well, I think the luxury to me is a, is a kind of a state of mind and uh, being able to spend the time in the, the way that you, that you like the most. It's not necessarily something that, um, that you can buy or, or place where you can travel. But luxury is being able to stay with the people you love with uh, and spend the time in the way you like. That's luxury to me. Yeah. Great. Thank you for sharing this. About a year ago, you moved from Hunan province to Shanghai to set up Shanghai office of the Italian National Tourism Board, ENIT. All of this during COVID. Was this a challenging period for you? And what were the major hurdles that you encountered? Well, moving from uh, from Changsha to Shanghai was a challenge, especially because the period was uh, was quite complicating. And uh, and setting up the office of uh, the Italian National Tourist Board with all the difficulties of the, the you know the beginning of the COVID period was not easy at all. Moving to Shanghai itself was actually not very complicated. But when I arrived here, even finding a house or you know a place mm. to live in Shanghai for me as a, as a foreigner with no residence in Shanghai was actually complicated because I was not even allowed to enter into the compounds to check the houses. So actually that was the major yes. difficulty and from the personal point of view. Then from the professional point of view, the uncertainty of that period was actually putting all of our strategies on hold. So we had a few months, we didn't know exactly what was the perspective, what we were going to expect for the next future. So the waiting, the long days and weeks and even a few months without knowing exactly what uh, was going to happen in the future, that was the most difficult part. Yes, and it set up an office in Shanghai in the middle of the pandemic, as mentioned. It signals a strong belief in the future of Chinese outbound travel to Italy. 
what have been your key focus in the last 12 months to ensure the local tourism trade partners and potential Chinese tourists are being excited to travel to Italy? Well, of course, we believe that um, once the borders will be open and the Chinese travelers will be allowed to, to visit Europe and Italy again, the positive trend that we were experiencing uh, before the COVID era, so in uh, 2019, will resume. And we expect uh, good numbers in the in the next future, as soon as it, as it will be possible. Uh, even if now it's not possible to travel, but still we need to communicate, still we need to work on the brand positioning, we still need to continue doing marketing and uh, to promote new destinations. So that's actually what we are trying to do. You know, I'm uh, quite new in this position. So I spent the, the, the last few months trying, first of all, to create a network of connections in China, for, with people working in this industry and talking with them, trying to find uh, not only connections, but also, you know, opportunities to cooperate in the future. We are mapping the situation in the key cities, in the major cities, so uh, Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Chengdu, Chongqing, but Suzhou, Nanjing. So we've been traveling around uh, trying to establish new connection and talk with, uh, with the industry key players in order to understand which are the need. Our major focus now is to increase our presence on the social media, so develop our online infrastructure so that we can communicate better and using the right uh, language and focus on the most strategic digital platforms that we have. We are creating an infrastructure not only for B2C, so with communication with people, but also with the B2B, so like a trying to create a platform for the industries, both in, in, in Italy and China, to connect. So we create the infrastructure now, and uh, we are going to focus in the next month, so in uh, 2022, on the promotion of new destinations, because we want to communicate the fact that Italy is not only you know, the major cities, not only Rome, Milan, Florence and Venice, but it's also much more. And we mm -hmm. need to be able to communicate that on the Chinese market. And this is the right moment to do it because this is the moment when people are, you know, are dreaming about traveling. Mm -hmm. So this is the moment for us to communicate the vision of Italy that we, we want to communicate. So this is what we are focusing now. Great. So communication, marketing, social media, really staying on top of mind and establishing network and uh, seeking partnerships. And I fully agree with you. Now it's a moment really to keep this communication going. A lot of different parties, uh, they think maybe uh, let's put a pause on the, uh, certain activities because borders are not open. But I fully agree with you. Now it's the time to get everyone's attention. And once the borders uh, do reopen, you'll be the first one that will be uh, crossing their minds. So I fully agree. What is the general feeling from the market in terms of future travel to Italy? You know, when, like talking with the um, tour operators, travel agencies and the online travel platforms, travel advisors all around China, what I see is that people are actually expecting for the future that the most recent trends that have been confirmed on the, on the domestic market will also be, you know, valid also for international destinations and also for Italy. So mm. the classic itinerary to visit Italy, Rome, Venice, Florence, Milan will not be the most preferred uh, option because especially if you think that uh, the FITs will be the first one to start traveling and not the big groups of people. So what we are expecting is that actually 
the future travelers that will be visiting our country they will be more interested in new destination outdoor activities and more deep experiences to get in contact with the local culture so we have the opportunity to promote destinations that are not yet famous on the Chinese market. And we can use uh, many you know, key topics in order to promote these new destinations because the first travelers that will uh, reach Italy and will be able to travel to our country, they will be much more interested in, uh, in a deeper cultural experiences in our territory. So I, I think that the major trends will be outdoor and sustainability. So people will be focused on uh, safety of the travel, but also the safety of the destination and uh, the contact with nature. It will be very important, the possibility to do open air activities. Another important trend will be traveling with small groups, normally family or small group of friends. And uh, for sure is a perception of safety that is based on the possibility to use uh, new technologies. So actually what also many destinations in Italy and in other countries are doing is to, to adopt um, these new mobile technologies in order to let people feel more safe about their travel experience. I just make one example. There are some destinations, mountain destinations in Italy, in the north of mm-hmm. Italy, like uh, Cortina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cortina is going to be the, the place where, one of the places where the next Winter Olympics would be organized in 2026. I mean, like it would be the next in line after Beijing. And they are also they are introducing some apps for mobile phones that actually that allow the travelers to have a real-time monitoring of uh, the concentration of people on the ski lifts, uh, on the mountain paths. And this is very important in order to increase the perception of safety of the destinations. And many other cities and many other locations in Italy are actually introducing these kind of tools. So these are the major trends, I would say. So outdoor safety, travel with family or small group of friends and the technology. Great. Thank you for sharing, Cristiano. Italy is one of the most visited countries in the world. And in 2019, the overall tourist number from China to Italy is 3 million arrivals. The rising numbers, while great for the local economy, has put a strain on local life and tourist experience especially in the most popular sites, such as Venice, Rome, Florence. Added to this, there is a need and a desire from tourists to have more space for sanitary reasons, but also for personal enjoyment. How is Italy planning the future in this regard? You mentioned a bit about, you know, in 2026, Cortina, about, you know, the winter games. But how about in Italy in general? Well, you know, we are fully aware that, especially in, uh, in in this period, in the last two tourist seasons, so summer of 2020 and summer of 2021, people are actually looking for social separation. So they are looking for destinations where they can feel safe and they can feel more, you know, like uh, distant from the dangers of this virus. And uh, we saw that the destinations of the, in the in especially mountain destinations or like the small towns, they are the ones that have been suffering less during the last two years. So mm-hmm. not only in China, but also in Italy and uh, in the other European countries. So we expect uh, when the travel from China will, will resume and the, when the borders will be reopened, finally, these destinations have a huge opportunity to be you know, selected by, by travelers. The challenge is that normally these destinations are not very well known. 
So they are, right. especially on this market, there's very few knowledge. It's like a very small knowledge about uh, about of the beaten tracks destinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the challenge for us is to be able to promote these destinations, and this is actually what we are trying to do. We accepted the challenge, and uh, now we are working with uh-huh. the several Italian regions in order to collect all the informations about uh, these new itineraries, and we are translating into the language. We are translating into the forms and the shape that can be right for the Chinese market, and we are using the online platforms in order to communicate this uh, this new information. And also, we are establishing contacts with the tour operators, travel agencies, in order to let them know that they have this opportunity and that they can be supported also by Italian local travel agencies in order to develop these new products and to put these new products on the market to offer upgraded products to their to their future customers. What Italy is doing in this regard is, uh, you know, better communication, basically. This is the only thing that we can do because the tourist system, the tourist infrastructure, the hospitality infrastructure in Italy is very well developed, not only in the major cities, but also in the regions that are less visited by international tourists. What we need to do is, first of all, to better communicate the, the beauty and the reasons to visit these areas and to provide uh, tour operators, travel agencies with the, with the tools that allow them to provide services to their customers and to send them to these destinations. Yes, that was as well one of the questions that I had, how to promote those unknown places. But you were uh, sharing, so working closely with the regions in Italy, uh, so better communication, but as well providing tools and I believe uh, knowledge to the travel agents and tour operators here in China so that they can as well share this information with their customers and the consumer. Yes, we actually, you know, we we developed two major tools in this regard. So one is a, is a B2B platform we launched a couple of weeks ago. And this B2B platform is aimed at creating a bridge, a connection between Italian companies and the Chinese companies. Now we are actually having the Italian companies registering on this platform. And very soon we will open also to the Chinese agencies. And on this platform that works on the Weixin mini program, we will organize webinars, workshop, um, B2B events, Mm -hmm. so that we have a stable permanent platform that we can use in order to support the B2B. And the other tool that we are going to use is the education. So it's another application that is aimed at providing more information about, about Italian destinations. So these are the two tools that we are using now. 2022 will be the Italy-China Year of Culture and Tourism. It was delayed from 2020 for obvious reasons. It is a year full of events and activities aimed at boosting cooperation, traveling, people-to-people exchange. How is this year long event shaping up in the current situation, Cristiano? Well, the 2022 China-Italy Year of Culture and Tourism it's a challenge. It's a challenge in this in this particular situation because the major point of, of that program is to promote the people-to-people exchange. But there will most likely there will not be any people-to-people exchange because we have no idea about the perspectives of reopening of the borders. So most of the activities that we are planning are are going to be based on uh, online platforms. 
And then there will be some exhibitions that are organized, that are cultural exhibitions in several cities in China. Uh, this activity is coordinated by the two ministries, the Ministry of Culture and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, on our side, the embassy of Italy in Beijing is the major player that is now putting together the, the program of activities in China. There are several exhibitions that are on the pipeline for next year. So we are preparing. It's, it's not easy because, you know, even when you have to move artworks, like a masterpiece from mm-hmm. Italy to China, that's complicated. Yes. You need people to accompany this. <laughs> and uh, even the logistics is not very simple. Even, I mean, during 2021, some major exhibitions have been organized, especially here in Shanghai, but mm-hmm. it was not easy. And thinking about a, a big scale, a program of exhibitions during 2022 is not very simple. So now in this period, the, there are contexts in order to understand what can actually be done. But I believe that most of the activities will be online. We will be responsible for the communication, of course, and uh, there will be a, a huge campaign of communication for the, to promote this year and the, the, rela- the cultural and touristic relation between Italy and China. One of the major points would be the connection between the UNESCO or the heritage sites. You know, the Italy in the ranking is number one, China is number two. So we have um, a very good uh, a connection on this point and several yeah. UNESCO World Heritage Sites are already connected, already have these friendship agreements. I think about, for example, Suzhou with Venice, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or some other connections like Florence and Nanjing. But there are many, we're going to promote more and more of these connections. Now I'm thinking about, for example, the, the Dolomites uh, and uh, Zhang Zhaze, uh, they already have one agreement. <laughs> so. We're going to try to find these, um, these opportunities to connect uh, World Heritage Sites in China and World Heritage Sites in Italy. Sounds all very exciting. These kind of bilateral country events are usually expected to deliver immediate tourism return. But given the state of travel right now, how will you create a long-term effect to rip the benefits of your efforts beyond 2022? Yeah, we uh, the only expectation that we have is based on the long term. So it's, uh, it cannot be we we are not going to to see the the, the consequences and uh, to have the benefits of uh, of the promotional activities that we are putting in place right now. We are not going to see it in the in the short term, but we have to work uh, for the future. We have to plan the future. Consider that the inspiration process for the travel is not something that happens immediately. So it's not the moment when the borders will reopen. People will think, okay, I want to go to Italy. No, we have to continuously communicate uh, in order to, you know, to intercept this uh, process of selection and the process of inspiration. So people during this, this period, in the next months, they have to dream about traveling to Italy because it's not a decision that uh, will be taken immediately as soon as the borders will open. So the effects are necessarily measured on the, on the medium long term. But it's, uh, it's the only thing that we can do, and we have to plan the future. In February 2022, Beijing will be hosting the Winter Olympics. It's going to be a big boost for winter sports in China, with the numbers of new adapters in the country predicted to grow very fast. This is also very positive for Italy, as you have great ski infrastructure and mountain destinations. And you are next in the hosting the Winter Olympics in 2026, as you mentioned, after hosting them already twice before. 
House ended capitalizing on the Beijing Olympics to promote Italy as a winter destination too. Well, Italy is a fantastic destination for winter sports and for you know mountain destination in general, so both summer and, uh, and winter time. That's one of the major focus that we have now, because normally when Chinese tourists they, they think about traveling to the mountains, that Italy is not the first de- destination that comes to their mind. But we need to change that because, you know, Italy with the Alps and the Apennines is, is a great destination for, for that kind of that type of tourism. And uh, we have wonderful locations and, uh, and, and structures and infrastructures and facilities on the mountain, especially we want to promote the Italian mountain lifestyle, which is uh, quite successful already. And we have to make it successful also on the Chinese market. Now, it's the fact that China is pushing a lot on the promotion of winter sports. It's a great opportunity for us. I know that the target is to reach 300 million people like uh, doing winter sports within the Beijing Winter Olympics. And the fact that the Milano Cortina will be the next in line in 2026 for us is a, is a powerful way to promote Italy. We already attended a, a few weeks ago, actually, an exhibition in Beijing that is dedicated to the mountain sport and mountain lifestyle. And it is our the Italian National Tourist Board. We already organized a, a couple of workshops and retreats for, for Chinese companies, for Chinese tour operators. We had the participation of some of the major tourist agencies of uh, the area of Beijing, and we're going to do the same in the area of Shanghai in order to to explain and to present what Italy has to offer on, on this segment. And in the future, I mean, we wanted to, the idea was to to set up a, a promotional point in uh, in Zhongli, anyway, in, the, in the, the areas where the Winter Olympics will be organized in, uh, starting from February. But the fact that probably that area will be a bubble, so they will not be allowed any visitors and only the athletes and the delegation will be allowed in that area made us change our plans. But still, we want to have a permanent position to promote Italy as a mountain destination in that area. So mm-hmm. we, we, we're going to work. Uh, we still have to select exactly where to set up our promotional point. Uh, but after the Winter Olympics in Beijing, we're going to for sure we're going to have it. Yeah. And that's what we are, we are doing, actually. Yeah. And what do you recommend hotels and travel providers in those Italian locations should do to attract Chinese winter tourists and be ready to welcome them? What is your advice? Well, my advice for Italian companies that want to, not only for the Italian companies in, the, in mountain destinations, but Italian companies in general, is to find a local partner. So somebody that can help them to, to communicate and to, to promote and to you know, follow up the business uh, relations on the Chinese market because it's, uh, it's not only in tourism, not only in the travel industry, but in every industry, if you don't have a local partner, if you don't have, or anyway, if you are not present on the Chinese market, it's almost impossible to be successful. So my idea is to use this period in order to establish strong partnership with local companies that can help Italian business to grow and to provide uh, the opportunity of following up the first contacts. Because normally, you know, when you have business-to-business matching activities, the relation starts, it begins and ends in that moment. Uh, okay? Because we have mm-hmm. very good conversation, very good connection, but then they are not capable of doing a follow-up because they have 
nobody on the you know nobody here and also the language is a problem the the, the distance is a problem so my suggestion is find a local partner yes local presence is very essential and as you uh, said almost impossible to be successful if you don't have local presence and i agree with you follow up is the most important after a fruitful initial conversation yeah Last June, the Italian National Tourist Board launched its Travel to Italy Academy advisor training site, a website aimed at travel advisors who want to become an Italian travel specialist and be certified. Can you share with our audience what the program entails? Well, that's a program that has been launched by our headquarters in Italy. And in every country, it had a different shape. So... Every Italian national tourist bureau in the different countries decided to adapt that idea to the local market. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in Australia, they have one program. In uh, in the United States, they have another program. In the France, they have a different program. The, the major focus is obviously to, to allow me to provide uh, the local players in the travel industry to have more information about, about Italian destinations mm -hmm. and uh, to promote new products. So new destinations, new itineraries, new new experiences by testing the knowledge of the local agencies of the, about Italy. In China, we are working on it. So we are adapting this uh, this platform. This uh, we are adapting this idea to the local market, and uh, the expectation is that we will be able to launch this platform, this training educational platform. Let's call it like that starting from beginning of next year, so after the Winter Olympics, after the Chinese Spring Festival. All right. So uh, it's an initiative that you believe that can be introduced as well to the Chinese market. Yes, definitely. In a recent interview, you said, if you want to promote your tourism destination, you absolutely need to be on the Chinese social media platforms. Also... Gianno Paolo Bruno, director of Beijing, office of the Italian trade agency, said Italian companies need to have a digital marketing strategy in place in order to be successful. Inet has invested on Chinese social media platforms like Weibo, TikTok, WeChat with live streaming and short videos. Social media has become an essential part to communicate and engage the Chinese consumer. Can you give us some examples of a few initiatives that you successfully implemented, Cristiano? Yeah, of course. But I confirm the, what I said during the during a previous interview, so that being on the Chinese social media, having a, a well-built strategy for the Chinese social media is uh, is the key, you know, for us as a national tourism organization, but also for the private companies and uh, in, in different industries because communication is everything and communication in this country is basically based on mobile so everything happens there and uh, this is a very complicated digital ecosystem because it's not it's completely different from ours platforms are different it's very complicated so our major focus at the beginning of my experience of, uh, when i got this position was to first of all understand which are the right strategies for each of the platforms of the digital platforms. So, for example, now we have a, a strategy for WeChat and uh, Shipping How. We have one strategy for the Win, one strategy for Weibo, one strategy for Xiaohongshu. So, the major challenge is to understand how to adapt 
the message to the language that is necessary for the different platforms. And we don't do it directly because we couldn't do it directly. So we work with different agencies in order to make sure that this message is uh, localized. Yeah, localization mm -hmm. is, the, is the major point, actually. So it's very easy to make mistakes. It's very easy to communicate the wrong message. And it's very easy to communicate with the wrong language. So it's like for Chinese company wants to communicate in Italy, the best strategy would be working with a local, with, a, with an Italian company, Italian media company, right, or a communication agency. And this is what we do. So we have different partners to make sure that uh, what we want to communicate gets, uh, get, uh, I mean, adapted to every single different uh, digital platform in China. So what we did is actually, first of all, create the strategy. Second, develop our digital ecosystem. So we opened during the last 12 months, we opened new accounts, official accounts on different platforms. For example, we've been one of the first two or three NTOs to open an account on the new social media developed by Ctrip. Uh, we've been opening our short video platform on, on Weixin. And uh, we've been working for the production of contents that are specifically developed for this market. Because now we have, we have to communicate, you know, they have to be very quick. Contents have to be created uh, on, you know, like short video, especially. There's a short video is very important. And when I enter in this position, we have no short videos. Now we have a lot of short videos. So that's what we like. Production of contents is, uh, is, is very important. And then we started doing live streaming. So we, we are cooperating with several partners to live streaming shows from Italy. Now we have a couple of, no, three live streamings together with the European Travel Commission. And one from Tuscany, one from Puglia, one from uh, Lombardia. Then we're going to have another live streaming on November together with, uh, with C-Trip again. So we are using different tools to, in order to be able of communicating on different platforms. And then also we are creating a mini program, a B2C mini program on, uh, on WeChat. And we are going to, going to put all the, the travel information for the different Italian regions on this platform. So we are doing many things for, the, for our digital communication. And what do you think are the main challenges when starting on social media, on Chinese social media? Well, as I said, I think the challenges are two major challenges. One is to understand the different nature and the different features of every single platform. Mm -hmm. You cannot communicate on Weibo the way you communicate on Douyin. Okay, you cannot use the same content, so you have to adapt. So you have to create content based on on your you know knowledge of the different features of the several platforms. And the second challenge is uh, localize the message. So communicate with the uh, with the language and the communication codes of Chinese people. You cannot have global marketing strategy using the same language everywhere. So the way that mm -hmm. we, our agency is communicating in, uh, on the American market is not the same communication strategy that we can have on the Chinese market. So these are the two major challenges, I would say. So understanding of the, of the Chinese media platforms and localization of the message. Yes. And then, as you said, the best way to start and manage these Chinese social media channels might be as well partnering with some local a specialist. That's necessary. Yes. 
Prior to COVID, the arrivals from the China market was growing steadily and was stable. It was positive for the economy as the luxury Chinese traveler has the highest average spend per stay of all nationalities. Are you expecting the Chinese market to recover and resume its growth in the years to come? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the market will uh, will resume. I'm sure that the numbers that we had in uh, 2019 will be, you know, will return as soon as the as the borders will reopen. So we saw that now the consumption of of luxury items is in China is uh, is, is growing very fast. During the last year and a half, I think that the duty free of Hainan is is the one that is selling the most, uh, that is making the most revenue in the world. And, uh, but in the future, when uh, Chinese travelers will return in Italy and the other European countries, of course, part of that consumption will be will return in, um, in our cities and in our outlets. So we are confident about that. I know that the wealth and, uh, of, Chinese, uh, of Chinese consumers is growing. We are very confident that the consumption of luxury products will, will be confirmed in the future. Do you think an aim for China to become one of your main markets in terms of arrival numbers? China will be one of the major markets. China is already the major source market in the world. It's the biggest tourist market in the world. So far, comparing to other markets, China still has small numbers for us. Like, for example, during 20, 2019, we had uh, 3 million arrivals, 5 million overnight stays, which comparing, for example, from the arrivals from Germany is a very small number, but the perspective is uh, is huge. So the potential for the arrivals from the Chinese markets are is very big. You also consider that only a few percentage of Chinese people owns a passport, and it's, uh, like ten or twelve percent. Now I'm not sure exactly. And also the markets is expanding. It's not only the major cities, like it's not only tier one or tier two cities. There's over 130 cities in China with over 1 million people. So it's a huge market. And I'm sure that in the future, this will be the major source market for Italy and also for the other European countries. So we are working for that. We are actually getting organized in order to (laughs) be capable of promoting Italy in the right way on this. We believe this is going to be the number one market in the future. Yes. Italy is well recognized for its history, its food and wine, and its luxury industry. China is set to become the highest spender in the luxury goods and services in the world in just a few years' time. In your various initiatives to promote Italy, are you also putting a special focus towards the Chinese luxury consumer? Yeah, we are planning several initiatives for next year in order to to reach that um, that segment, the luxury segment, we are we partner up with several few selected agencies and also developing some communication strategy. Italy actually is very easy to promote in terms of luxury brands. You know, we are Milan is the capital city for, for fashion and luxury fashion. Italy has the image of the capital of luxury in the world and especially connected to, to fashion and uh, design and cars. Okay. So it's not very complicated to communicate and it's not very, very complicated to promote Italy as a luxury destination. So yeah, we, we have partnerships in that segment and we are planning for initiatives in 2022 in order to, to reach that uh, very small segment of luxury travelers.
Cristiano, you have been in China over a decade. You have a good understanding of its culture and its people, and you have the privilege to promote one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Could you give our audience one or two more tips on being successful in marketing their business in China? Yeah, my, I have a, I had the opportunity and the privilege of, of being in China for over a decade, actually. And mm -hmm. also had the privilege to to know China in um, different angles because I you know I've been living in first tier cities and also in smaller cities. I've been experiencing the Chinese countryside. I've been experiencing many different uh, China. Okay, not only the one that normally foreigners experience. Uh, normally foreigners yes. when they come to China they stay in Beijing, Shanghai, maybe Guangzhou, Shenzhen. I've seen different China, so I saw the country from many angles. That's why you're the perfect uh, person to ask this question to. <laughs> yeah. But I think the suggestions is uh, actually uh, that we we already mentioned some of them during our conversation. Mm. One is uh, first of all, don't base your judgment on what you think to know about this country because 99.9% of the time you don't know anything about this country. The, the information that we receive in the Western countries about China are very few and normally are also wrong. So the only way is to have a direct and personal experience of this country. So you have to spend some time here, make the effort of understanding and try to go beyond your belief. So what you think is true normally is not. China is a very complicated and a very complex country with a, with a very deep culture and it takes time to, to approach this uh, complexity and it's not it's not simple it cannot be done from the distance so my number one suggestion is if you really target this market you spend some time here and be humble <laughs> to give up your your perceptions the, your perceptions that you had when you were far away from china because most likely they are wrong and the second one is you have to trust some local partners and you have to find the local partners that can guide you through the complexity of this place. So these are the two major suggestions that I can give to anyone who is approaching this, uh, this market. Great. Before ending our conversation, I would like to ask you a few more personal questions. You can answer quickly or you can elaborate as much as you like. <laughs> okay. Please choose one. Pasta or noodles? Pasta. Grappa or baijiao? Baijiao. Vespa or electric scooter? Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us one thing that you love about China. Uh, I love a lot of things. Maybe what I love the most uh, is the warmth of people. The warmth of people. Yeah, you know, it's very similar to Italian, to Italian way of approaching other people. So in some ways we are very similar. We have this... Uh, family-centered society and uh, we are very warm. We like to stay together, we like eating together, we like uh, celebrating. And I find many similarities and even if I am away from home, it's been almost two years, I don't go back to Italy, mm -hmm. but still here I, I feel welcome. Mm, very nice to hear. I hear that you're an explorer. What's the most daring thing you have done in your life? Well, in terms of exploration, I think that the most daring things I did was to 
was to spend a few months in the in, in the tropical forest of Ghana in Africa to build a school. That was a quite daring experience. I was living on the like, sleeping on the ground with no electric light, no facilities, no nothing, and uh, trying to to support this uh, NGO in a project of building uh, a school for this uh, very poor village where we were staying. Uh, yeah, that probably since I didn't know anything about the country, <laughs> I didn't know anything about the situation I was jumping into. Probably in terms of, of exploration, that was the most daring thing. Yeah. Wow. The Dragon Clouds, Nuvolo di Drago in Italian. Can you tell us more about this? It's, yeah, I, during the first few months of last year, just like many other people in the world, I didn't have so many things to do. I had a lot of free time. I had a lot of free time to study and especially I had a lot of free time to write. Write has been my passion since I was a, a child. So ah. I never had much time to, you know, to write something of this dimension, of this length. I never tried to write a novel. So finally, last year, after moving to Shanghai, I had time to do it. So in a couple of months, I've been collecting some of the experiences that I had during the last uh, the last 10 years. And uh, even if it's not, um, I mean, it's based on my experiences, but it's a totally made up story. So it's a, yeah, it's a novel, it's fiction, but it's based on uh, of my experience of China. This book has been released in Italy a few months ago on April uh, okay. 2021. And I hope that I will be able to go back to Italy anytime, uh, sometime soon, maybe next year to talk about this book, to promote this book, because it's promoting books, just like promoting other stuff, needs a human contact, you know, a human touch. That's right. Cristiano, it was a true pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you for being one of our luxury voices. It was great to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. It was a very nice conversation. And uh, feel free to invite me anytime you want. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Luxury Voices. If you have enjoyed it and found this episode useful, please share it with your network, like it, rate it, and help us spread our voices. You can find information about today's voice and the podcast content in the podcast notes. Luxury Voices is a podcast created by Infinite Luxury Group, a luxury sales, marketing, communication specialist based in Asia. Please tune in for the next episode. Bye for now.